Scotty, I feel like, you know, I've been waiting at the train station for weeks and you never came to pick me up. I've been fully abandoned. Would you just like decide to go do a podcast with someone else? Is this retribution for, for WWC? I already apologized. John, as much as I would have been trying to do a podcast with someone else, no one will have me. <laughs> well, that's good. It's because I've been bringing down your, your reputation for all these years now. You have no one left. <laughs> it's, it's a, I think it's known as guilt by association. Oh, dear. Now, Scotty, you've been off vacationing, haven't you? I have. I have spent uh, two weeks sat in the rain in Cornwall, England. That's the. Uh, it's uh, Cornwall is a very incredibly beautiful part of uh, 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 of England. Uh, fantastic beaches. It's the sort of surf centre of um, of the UK. So it's where uh, the best surf waves are. So it's got a real sort of surf culture down there. Um, but it's um, uh, and when the sun's shining, it is probably one of the best holiday destinations anywhere to be honest it's it's, it's fantastic uh, if you just like you know sitting on the beach and uh, you know, having some food but uh, of course being uh, part of England it suffers from English weather and uh, so I spent actually uh, of the 14 days I think 11 days it rained um, so <laughs> uh, when, when you when, I know when you can't go to the beach in Cornwall um, we've been to Cornwall so many times yeah it's like Really, there isn't a lot else there to do that's that's that interesting, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it's not like when, when you when you're vacationing in your own uh, country. Um, you know, it, it's not like if you just visit a town or something, it's going to have a very different culture. It's going to be the same as the towns near where you live already. It might have the odd interesting thing. Um, you know, when I vacation, I like to just basically wind down, do nothing, read books, all that sort of stuff for, for a little while. So it was a bit disappointing. And then to so we got to the beach a couple of times, and then on the day we were leaving, uh, the sun came out <laughs> gloriously. Um, uh, and so we decided decided not to leave till the end of the day because it's 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 a, on a good trip. It's about four or five hours drive, so it's not like it's 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 a, a stupid uh, a stupid drive. So we decided to um to go to the beach for a few hours before setting off for the day and whatever else. And, and so on my two weeks of wet holiday, on my last day there, I managed to get sunburnt. So... <laughs> is it safe to say the best, thing about, to... The, the best thing about vacationing in Cornwall is leaving? <laughs> Except for because that's when the sun well, comes it would have been apart from there been a, an incident on the uh, on the freeway, the motorway, and uh, so there were three hour delays everywhere. Um, so we ended up doing some sort of. It took took a lot longer to get home. So even leaving wasn't that great. But now I'm back. Um, you know, go through that first week of uh, you know go, trying to get back into the flow of things. You know, the sunburn has reached the point now that it's oh, not really itchy, and you know I'm beginning to flake like a leper. Um, so. It's uh, it's 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 perfect. So, um, how have your two weeks been? <laughs> I hate to say it, but, but productive and amusing and happy. And I'm I'm going off to genuinely sunny parts of the world um, on Friday. Um, I'm actually flying to London, uh, but then I'm going to. That's uh, not a genuinely sunny part of the world. You just yeah, you you've got. Uh, I assume no, you're no, just flying through London. <laughs> yes. No. Um, uh, so uh, actually, a couple of interesting fun things. So. Uh, uh, Netflix shipped a, a version in Hebrew, um, which I worked a lot on, so that was fun. Um, 
and it, it, uh, working on that made our Arabic version a, a lot better. And so uh, today, these uh, three Arab linguists, one from Morocco, one from Iraq, one from Syria, came and gave me a kafia, a very, very nice one, as a thank you for, for, for the work I did. I should probably send the video, but it, it may, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't. But anyway, it was, it was a lovely thing. Um, and uh, I started writing uh, more swift in the last couple of, of days than I had in, 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 in all the time up to it, uh, which is to say I've not written a lot of swift until the last three days ago. And, and uh, uh, not that this is at all an interesting topic of conversation because everybody else has been writing swift for years now, at least you know, 10, 15 years, and I'm very, very late to the party. Um, but that's been an interesting experience. Uh, and uh, uh, been working again on, on improving the accessibility of the app because we've had uh, benefited from having somebody on site to to, to do audits again, um, and I it's it's all been good and fun and, and lovely. Well, first of all, I, I saw the Hebrew release and I took a, a guess that um, you've been working on that based on you know you'd said in our last recorded episode that there was a new language coming up that yeah. you've been working on um and that's the only announcement i've seen about a new language so i assumed it was you been working on there yeah. i've also been talking a lot about uh, right to left languages over the last few weeks so so congratulations and yeah. obviously that's improving your other right to to left stuff so um okay so now i'm interested what what's um obviously you can always talk about everything so maybe this is a, a question you can't answer but you know what's led to the uh, using swift uh, decision or eventuality it's, it's, or opportunity it's, it's, it's not all that that you know i think it's it's not at all kind of uh, you can imagine that netflix has a lot of shared code between platforms um, particularly as concerns things like licensing and stuff and so the you know those are those are all c based and c++ based and so uh, making them work with swifter is not very obvious certainly you know not the c++ stuff um so that's a, a one of the reasons why the you know the the netflix you know ios app is not written in swift but there are other places where we can write in swift and there are certainly ways of of, of mixing it together um uh, so the the swift work i was doing on was with, with a tool that was written in swift which was uh, related to localization and uh you know i think i even mentioned some i don't know however many uh, episodes back you know converting that from swift 2 to swift 3 which which uh was kind of the first time i was writing uh, swift in a kind of production environment other than you know uh, you know, kind of following tutorials and, and just you know exploring the language a bit. But I did another round of work on it to to make it work with uh, strings dicks, which I talked about, I guess, back in WWDC um, era podcast from this year. Uh, and strings dicks is is, is is a reminder, is a, a way of representing in a single dictionary uh, different variations for different plurals because different languages have different ways of of dealing with different quantities. So whereas in English you might do something where you know you use the same string for whether you're dealing with a quantity of, of you know two or 12 million um, certain languages like Hebrew want very specific ways of, of, of writing out you know the word two and, and and ways of making agreement for it Arabic is another language that has that kind type of complexity Russian uh, has even more complexity so rather than having in code you know uh, you know checking for the, the the quantity and then switching between strings you can encode all the different variations so I've, I'm sorry I spoke about that before but I got around to, to working on making that work with with our backend uh, string management system and since one of the tools we use for doing that was written Swift, I did that. And so uh, that was kind of an interesting experience because 
you know, I I'd had always kind of assumed that the the challenge in, in switching to Swift from Objective C was 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 not all that great because you'd still be using all the the same API. So I've kind of naively imagined it's like, well, you should just use NS Dictionary everywhere, and it's certainly possible to do, but. Uh, when you do that, you're kind of losing some of the nice things about Swift, which is its its economy of expression. Um, so my first kind of uh, work in 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 dealing with this, you know, taking a JSON response and dictionary and and, and reformatting it, uh, you know, to 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 match a, a strings dictionary. Uh, Using it with all NS dictionary, it looks like kind of poorly translated Objective C, as 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 I think you can agree. And so I had a colleague who's who's written a lot more Swift than I have look at it and says, you know, no, oh, you don't have to use NS dictionary. You know, that's one of the nice things about it. And I, it, I think it was the point where I started to have some type of 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 kind of aha moments about why Swift is nice. Um, which I did. And so I got to the point where instead of using NS dictionary at all, I actually use an NS dictionary just to be able to read and write the file. I suppose, you know, of course you can, you can just serialize it as JSON, but you know, it's nice to just be able to save it as a property list um, with one line of code saying, you know, save to save to path atomically. Yes. Um, versus having to do the, the conversion to JSON and turn it into data and, and write it. Um, so uh, it was kind of exper- interesting um, to, to, to make that work. It does, yeah. Even though it's um, using the same sort of frameworks, the Cocoa framework or the Cocoa Touch framework, uh, it is a different language to Objective C and needs to be. And just like in any language, you, you know, it did its is its best when you work with it, not against it. And it takes a while to uh, to get used to that. And um, and I think you know. I think for people coming to Swift now, it possibly will take a little bit longer than those who jumped in straight away because right at the beginning, you did use NS Dictionary um, on the whole. I mean, it, it, uh, Swift has always had its own dictionary class, but you know, it was far closer to just using um, stuff, whereas a lot of the work that's gone on with Swift over the last couple of releases is is Swiftifying its um, interface to the Cocoa APIs. Um, so the the interface to Cocoa is is more Swifty, um, shall we say, and, and allows you to take a more Swift approach to thing. And now I find myself in the in the uh, the opposite way round, um, which is quite strange because uh, I have probably worked with Swift. Um, 80% of the time since probably about September, October 2014. So just literally a few months after it was announced. Um, so I, I go to Objective-C probably more often than you go to Swift, but you know, not 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 a huge amount. And I'm beginning to find now that when I, when I have to go write new Objective-C code, obviously if you're debugging old Objective-C code, you just fall straight back into the way it was written and, and it's all there. But if you're starting to write new Objective-C code, I find I'm trying to write it like um, a little bit like, like you'd write Swift. Um, and actually, yeah, it's uh, it's an even, sort of even worse that way around because at least in Swift, when you're writing a bit like Objective-C, it, it sort of works and compiles most of the time. Whereas <laughs> trying to write Objective-C like Swift doesn't do anything at all for anybody. Right. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, but I used Objective-C for, um, you know, 10 years, uh, eight years, whatever, before moving to Swift. Um, and now it, it's funny because now it feels not alien. Alien's too strong a word, but it, it's like a little strange to me um, 
because it's it's just not been in use. And I think, you know, partly this is how we just work as people, isn't it? Things we we fall into a pattern, things become habit, things become familiar, and anything that's not in that sort of often I think quite small world that is our familiar, um, even if it was once familiar, becomes a little bit a little bit strange. So it's a, I, I find that quite interesting. So do you think? Um, yeah, I've got the sense a little bit over the last year or two for you that, I mean, I know you like Objective-C and you've worked in Objective-C a lot longer than I have. Um, is Swift like something that you, you're thinking, yeah, I can see the point of this and I'd like to do more of it and I, I can see it one day, you know, taking the place of Objective-C in my heart or are you still a, or is it more at the, um, yeah, it's maybe not quite as bad as I thought, but I'd still want to keep my Objective-C. It's, I think it's a little bit in between the two. I mean, I have to say I have a strong emotional attachment to Objective-C, and I was thinking about that uh, recently in that, you know, that that my first language was was WebScript, which oddly enough, uh, you know, is, is, is in some ways, uh, it's an interpreted version of Objective-C for people who don't remember that. It was a, it was the scripting language with web objects. Um, and they even introduced a modern syntax, which looks a lot like Swift, in fact. Um, and so, but but still, I kind of I like many aspects about it. And you, when you don't know anything else, you know, you kind of think, well, okay, this is how things should be. So, whatever language you know you spoke when you first learned language, you have an emotional attachment to it, right? And for me, that's English. For my son, that's Italian. That was the first language he spoke, and now he's bilingual. You know, he, and he grew up that way, and many people do. So, I, I, I feel like I will get to the point where, you know, uh, you can switch pretty easily between the two, and then you'll think, oh yeah, I remember I have to do this with Objective C, you know, and and. And oh, you have to do this with with Swift. I, I I think about them very differently. I think one thing that's nice about Swift is it basically, I find it a little bit more painful to write because I and partly it's because I'm still new to it. But basically, you write it and then you have to be so explicit about so many things. I mean, it, it for, for a first couple hours, I'm like going, "Fuck this! I can't believe I have to explain everything," you know, about uh, about exactly what the components of the third nested level of a dictionary should be. Is it going to be a string in a string, or could it be a string in an any? I thought that that was kind of painful. Um, but then you know, people showed me a little bit. Well, you can define the types in any point and you know with a type alias and and so i think i get the feeling that the investment in pain you make up at at the beginning kind of spares you debugging down the line because it's i think fairly common for you to have to deal with on the objective c size because anything can be anything at runtime you know you run into a bunch of potential problems where especially when you're on you know converting from json where you might get different responses and you can easily crash if if you have expectations that that aren't met and and that's kind of not possible with swift because you have to be very explicit about things so you know switching between swift and objective c is kind of like switching between speaking german and french i mean they both have their attributes you know i i i kind of like to think that there are certain things that I really enjoy when I speak French, you know, as an aside, I guess, kind of uh, being cutting and sarcastic. I think you can do it very, very nicely in, in French in some ways. And I think of Italian as very playful in the way that you can invent new words with certain suffixes. And English has its own kind of very, very rich slang from borrowed from each other. So I enjoy speaking different languages and then enjoy kind of uh, celebrating the aspects that are rather unique to them. And I think it's perfectly possible to 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 switch between them and kind of take them for what they are. And I think that that's 
probably a better way of 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 thinking and and because I don't think I'm going to stop writing Objective C anytime too soon, because you know I, I honestly you know I don't think that that Apple is going to you know succeed in rewriting absolutely all of UIKit natively in Swift anytime too too soon, and I wonder if it's even strictly possible. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. So I think if you come to the assumption that you kind of you can't really be a, a an iOS Swift developer without understanding certain things about Objective C. Um, I think that you have to, to, to realize that you're going to have to, to keep a foot in both worlds and you just may find that whatever you're working with over a period of time is what you can kind of favor. And when you switch, that's when you notice the pain. But if you're good at switching, you kind of it's a short lived pain in the same way that, you know, you don't use French every day. You get off the plane. It's a little bit rusty at first, but it comes back pretty quickly. That makes sense. It, it well, it makes total sense. I don't necessarily, I can't, I can't 100% relate to your um, anecdotes about languages because I can barely speak English, let alone anything else. Um, so, uh, but but I get what you're saying, and I think uh, you know it raises several points um, to me there. Uh, so, firstly, I, I what I like about Swift, and and I agree with what you were saying about you know when you when you come to it initially from Objective C, it's like really I have to do all of this. This is a complete pain. It, yeah, it just it drove me just as mad. Um, is and obviously there are some things in the language now that have made that easier over time. So it was maybe even a little more frustrating to begin with. Uh, is uh, in the end that work pays off. Uh, I think the code I write end up writing in. Uh, Swift uh, ends up being a lot safer. Um, mm. uh, and that's not necessarily because Swift is uh, necessarily just safer in its own right. It just force, it forces me to be safer. Whereas yeah, um, you, you could be safe in Objective-C if you're the most um, conscientious uh, programmer and you just keep a track of everything and you're very careful in the way you cast. You, know, you, you can write very safe programs. I, I think the problem... That Objective C isn't Objective C's fault. It's people who write in Objective C's fault. Is is the, it's it's a lack of type safety um, allows us to become lazy, mm. and and you know the the amount of uh, client code I've worked on in the past where things just get passed around as ID because they couldn't make up their mind what it was going to be, and then gets cast to something, and you'll find you know a call being made with one type of uh, object and then being cast to a totally different type of object somewhere else, and you know tracking down those bugs is is a complete nightmare. So I think probably in the in the context of things, um, you know, it, it does feel slower developing in Swift often. Uh, I agree with that. Even now, three years in or whatever it is, it, it does feel uh, a little slower developing things in Swift. Uh, however, I think you know I, I I spend less time debugging obscure problems possibly than I used to in Objective C because I had missed something or forgotten something that actually in Swift the compiler would just catch and I'd never be allowed to do it in the first place. Mm. Um, so so and, and I enjoy that. And I think um, you know, the constructs there and constructs such as enums and everything do end up for for uh, better better safer code. We say we won't say better code. because um, sometimes Swift is just you know makes you write more code whereas you could do it really you know, in a couple of lines in Objective C and you're writing five or six, seven, eight lines in Swift um, to get stuff done and you know you have to deal with all the optionality and all that sort of stuff. But hey ho, there we go. However, I would say 
Um, if, you, if someone was coming to iOS or, or, or macOS as a developer right now and they were just learning Swift, that's all they were learning, um, I'm not sure how easy it would be to totally get to to grips with Cocoa without understanding it's actually an Objective C because you know a lot of the things make sense in Cocoa because you know it's Objective C and it feels actually you know it just not that it doesn't work with Swift but sometimes things feel a little awkward uh, a little over, you know like, like this is forcing something to happen and and people who have you know for years come to uh, the Mac and, and obviously if the last 10 years come to iOS and suddenly said, oh, these frameworks are, are beautiful. They're amazing because Cocoa is, you know, I mean, it's aged a little bit now. AppKit's a bit old, but, you know, on the whole, it's it's such a well-designed framework and whatever else. Yeah, you know, maybe they're not seeing that so much anymore because they're seeing a sort of a swift Objective-C conf- uh, conflict, whereas those of us who've used it in Objective-C for many years first understand its elegance and its design and the way it works. And, yeah, you know, I'm wondering if Cocoa's reputation is going to not be as good in the developer community for new people coming in because they're not going to get it. It's a very interesting um, thing to think about. Yeah, and, and I'd be curious because, I mean, I know that uh, at AltConf, you know, IBM was there and they were talking about, you know, server-side Swift. And presumably it, the experience of using Swift is kind of like using languages like Groovy or whatever the language that you were experimenting with Um uh, if, which is very good for this kind of functional slash reactive programming of, of transforming a, a flows of data and, and, and very kind of in some ways elegantly mapping it and twisting it this way and twisting it that way to, to get the asynchronous results of multiple things neatly packaged up into some one little observable. It, it, all that kind of stuff is, is kind of cool. Um, because uh, that's something also we have to do because uh, we write our own uh, custom endpoints in, in Groovy. So you were you're not the only one who's who's uh, you know managing to exercise their their brains by by spending time with with different languages and, and having it give you appreciation for different ways of solving um, problems. So Groovy is that um. Is that one of the Java variations? Groovy, yeah, it's, a, or? it's a, basically it's a set of extensions to, to Java. Yeah, that for for doing reactive programming. Okay, cool. That's it. That's uh, so. So you 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 and you've been writing some Groovy, have you? I have. You know, it, I think it, it's. I'm I'm very thankful for my colleagues who've written a lot more. So it's mostly just kind of adapting <laughs> things that are already there. I think if I had to sit down and write it from scratch, I'd have a hard time. Whereas you know, I, I, and I think in some ways even the same thing with Swift. I, you know, I came into an existing code base and and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it, and I've written a couple of methods from from scratch. So now I feel a certain level of comfort. You know, I can do file new project in Xcode start to finish and I feel completely comfortable with Objective-C. I'll get there with Swift. Who knows whether, whether I'll get there with, with Groovy. But fortunately for Groovy, I don't have to do a whole lot of it. But it, it really is, I think, you know, uh, uh, for the kids listening at home, you should always be be willing and and, and actually interested in, in, in exercising your brain in this way. It's the, the, the swiftest way to, uh, <laughs> to come to a dead end is to not try different languages. Yeah, but to actually use a different, uh, I think to to buy a book and do file new project with whatever language it is is fine, and you follow the tutorial in the book. Um, but for uh, for obvious reasons and and for good teaching practice, um, you, know, to, you know, beginners tutorials miss a load of stuff out. 
because oh, yeah. you know otherwise you'd never learn anything because you know by the time I said abba 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 you'd be you know, on page 556 and you'd not even you know got you know a, a, a first line to print something to the console or something yet because of all the the caveats that people want to point out um so yes, when you when you're doing doing something new, maybe you buy the Groovy book or you buy the Elixir book or whatever, and, and you do the tutorials. But by far the best way to become familiar with the language is to work in an existing code base. Yep. Uh, and it really, in some ways, it really doesn't matter if it's a good code base or a bad code base. You're going to learn from both. Mm. <laughs> maybe maybe learning from a good code base is is, is more pleasant. And learning from a bad code base is is more unpleasant. But you will learn from both. And I remember. Um, when I transitioned from .NET to to um, Mac development with Cocoa, because it was pre-iPhone, um, you know, uh, uh, I just I I think it was a blog post. I can't remember, but you know, Marcus Zara had a product at the time, and uh, he, he had a whole bunch of bugs he needed to fix it. And he just mentioned in it he was he would uh, he was thinking of taking on some extra help to just you know do a bug purge and whatever else. And you know I dropped him an email and said, look, I'm trying to learn this stuff. I'm an experienced developer, but you know I've read the you know the Aaron Hillegas you know um, Mac development book, and I've written a couple of samples, but that's where I am. But you know the best I know the best way to learn is to get into a code base. So you know. You know, I'll work for free for a, however long, you know, a, a little while. You know, it's going to be a spare time project anyway because I was still a dot .NET developer's house earning my money. Um, and so I just spent, uh, I can't remember how long it was now, but yeah, he just assigned me a whole bunch of tickets um, in whatever the ticket management system was at the time. And I just went and um, started fixing bugs. And I learned so much, so much, so fast about how things work and didn't work. You know, I learned immediately to hate bindings um, because they make <laughs> debugging because they make debugging virtually impossible sometimes. Uh, uh, but it was it was a, a great way of learning. And, and just yesterday, I was in a conversation in the Slack channel with someone about um, potential some potential work on a, a project that it's already ongoing. And, you know, just trying to work out what the the path would be for for this work and. and you know, the obvious came up. Well, firstly, you spend a couple of weeks doing bug fixes because that's the best way you'll get to know the code base, you know, and you have a far better understanding of it. So, um, yeah, it's jumping into something brand new with a brand new language. Um, I don't necessarily think is that advisable. Finding something that already exists, as I said, and it doesn't matter if it's any good, is the best way to learn that language. And it means when you do file new on your own project for the first time, it will probably be better if you've spent, you know, a few weeks or months working on other, other code. Here, here. Well, there we are. Well, I think um, uh, I think yeah, we've we've used that phrase about each other before, John, about um, ships passing in the night. Uh, I said ships with a P. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I think we are literally going to be doing that this week because I um, you say you fly to London on Friday. Yes, and you're flying on the same day to San Francisco. I'm flying to San Jose on yeah. uh, on, on, on Friday, so we probably will pass in the air. So I, please I'll, do remember to wave. I will certainly do. I will stick my tongue out and and make make rude comments towards your plane. Now, um, obviously, I, I I won't say look forward to seeing you because if I do see you, it means something has gone wrong with air traffic control. <laughs> <laughs> we are far too close. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, we, uh, I mean, hopefully this episode will be out by then, but uh, uh, you've probably noticed I'm having a few problems with the website. Mm. And uh, it's uh, the website is hosted in a, a, a system called typed.com uh, from 
the guys at Real Mac, and uh, they're sadly having to close the uh, the service down because it's not made any money. Um, and yeah, that happens sometimes. You have to to sunset things. Um, I hate that term. You have to close them down on the users. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, um, I have to be honest. I'm a little disappointed on how they're handling it. Uh, it sort of just stopped working initially. That I couldn't add anything, um, which is why the last episode has just appeared on a you know in a random page. I just threw together a static uh, a static uh, website quickly for that that one um, one episode. Uh, I have to now migrate the. 200 odd posts off of iDeveloper um, to something else, uh, which I just haven't got round to yet. Um, but now they've officially announced they're closing, I'm going to have to. So um, hopefully the episode will be up. Maybe it will just be with a static page again, but uh, maybe they maybe not. Uh, maybe I have time to do so. I think I think the point is I don't think I'm going to move all the moving myself. I think I'm going to outsource um, through Odesk or whatever it's called someone to um, do moving. I just need to decide what I'm going to where I'm going to host it and how I'm going to host it. I'm, I'm thinking of going back to doing Jekyll mm. and Markdown. Most of the posts are currently in Markdown, so I'm just thinking that's probably the most minimum amount of work is to just move it into some other Markdown-based um, system and, and then just sticking on my own 5 bucket the server or whatever because none of the none of the audio files are hosted there. All, they're all hosted on a CDN, so that's you know, um, I don't have to worry about bandwidth or anything like that for those. But, yeah, um, but uh, I'd say it's... Um, yeah, I've had to sunset, close down a few products in the past. Um, you know, I developer videos is, was was one of those, and you know, and I and I know that I didn't always do it well, um, and I made some mistakes. And if I was closing anything again, I hope I'm not going to have to. Um, you know, I I would do things differently, uh, but uh, it, it's. Um, yeah, I don't want to rag on it too much because I, I like the guys at Real Mac and Dan Council who runs Real Mac. Yeah, he writes a very good blog. It's useful. They've given a lot to community. But uh, yeah, I, I, when, when I first discovered a problem with Typed, I sent any, uh, a support request saying, because I didn't know at that point it was closing down. They hadn't said it was closing down. It just wasn't working. Um, so I sent a support request, uh, which after a week I'd not heard from. So I sent another one and I'd still not had... Um, uh, I think so. I then went and searched the forums and I found some really old posts from about two months ago saying that it wasn't making money and they were trying to work out what to do with it. Um, so I posted a message on the forums asking, you know, was there any update on this and saying I was having problems and I still didn't hear anything back. And, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, that's annoying. But then uh, <laughs> three days ago, I think it was, I got an email survey from them saying, how did we do on support? <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> the response they got from me. <laughs> mm. um, since they've now put on the website that is closing down, they've, they have put an exporter up there um, to allow you to export everything out. But so far, it's not worked. Um, it's just come back and said the server's too busy because I'm sure there's lots of people doing it. Um uh, so the only thing that seems to be working is they're still billing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm a little disappointed. You know, could could do better, guys. Uh, but uh, I, I understand totally why it's got to close down. I'm not suggesting anyone should run a service that's not making money. You try something and does it. But um, there, there's stuff to be learned about how to do that sort of stuff. And uh, I think, sadly, uh, uh, they've, they've missed it a little bit. So, um, you yeah. know. Uh, but maybe it's a good thing for me to experience because, you know, um, 
as I said, I've, I've closed things down before and, and I, even though I know I've made mistakes, I probably thought I did okay. And um, by going through this process and feeling the pain, um, I'm hopefully if I ever have to do this again, I will remember this pain and, and do it better. Uh, but there we are. Learn from learn from the experience. But indeed. We well, Scotty, if people want to yell at you on the internet about anything you've done in your life or anything you may do in the future, where might they do that? Okay, they can contact me on Twitter as MacDevNet. And uh, what about you, John? If they want to disturb you on your vacation, uh, they can certainly find me on on uh, on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the. African drum. Thank you. West African drum. Thank you. You're right. It is the West African drum. But West Africa is part of Africa. So I was technically still correct. Well, it's like saying it is a single continent. It's it's like saying that's like saying, um, you know, if I was to talk about something from California and I just said the USA instead of the West Coast, um, you know, I'm not being incorrect. And you can't tell me California is not part of part of the US. It may not want want to be right now, but (laughs) California is barely a part of the planet. I'll let you slide. because That is true. Dude. (laughs) Dude. Right on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, there there, there's the title of this waffly episode dude right on <laughs> yeah that's it right and of course you can get in touch with both of us by sending uh, an email to feedback at ideveloper.co thanks very much for listening um i'm not sure if we're doing an episode next week because of john's vacation but uh we'll um i don't know why am i saying that because we often don't do an episode next week just because we can't be asked so <laughs> it's it's pointless saying that. so we're going to say thanks for listening to this episode um if you still are and uh until next time you take care